Wait for what? Just watch the screen and tell me when you see it. See what? Holy shit. All right, it's back. It's, yeah. you see it? Yeah, I got it. Is it there? The giant monster, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, <laughs> Gloria, you gotta see this. What is it doing? It's dancing. It's dancing like... Holy shit. <laughs> uh, it stopped. <laughs> I'm blowing you kisses. I'm blowing you kisses. Whoa. What the? Okay, how? How? Wait, wait. This isn't happening. No, no, no. This is not happening. This is one of those practical joke apps. This is a joke. But you it's know, a I joke. I feel like dancing, so uh, can you guess which film this is from, huh? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Do you want to make any requests? This, is, this does not last that long. Hello, and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 148. Whoa. Wow. And my name is Scott. Is that the episode number? My name is Jared. And I'm Michael. Nice. We're here today to discuss No Country for Old Men because it's the wake of Thanksgiving and movie theaters I don't even think are open. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People trickle in from time to time. Like what would you... To to see Coco maybe or to see... Go see Three Billboards again. Olaf short film that is now cut out of the movie. Starting December 8th, so you actually still have time to go see oh, it. Oh, cool. They should burn it, right? They should just burn it and send it into space, according to yep. what everybody's thinking of the Olaf short film. I read a few articles on it, like with the, the trailers and ads being like 15 minutes, and then this, you're not watching the movie until like 40 minutes after the start time. <laughs> that is unacceptable. I, I, I heard a lot of parents... I've got a kid? Yeah, parents were just taking their... The kids got... Tired and just left after the Olaf short, apparently. So a lot of people just left after the 20-minute short film. Wow. But on to other things, like subscribing to all of our episodes on iTunes and Google Play and TuneIn Radio and uh, Stitcher and uh, all, that good all those stuff. places. The, the podcast seeps into the dark corners of the internet. Um, you can go to our website as well. All our podcasts live there. There's also a little donate button on that website. Is there not? Yeah, there is. What happens? What do you do? If you feel like having a short-term relationship with the show... Just for one night. ...showing us a little love... uh, Or ...just once, then you can press a button there, the donate button, and you can give us a little PayPal love. It is PayPal. Any donations are welcome. But I want to get into a long-term relationship with the VVP crew. I don't blame you. We're attractive. What do I do then? Well, then you would surf the internet. I'm already doing that, you (laughs) idiot. Well, direct yourself over to patreon.com slash vertical viewing. Okay, there's these weird hydrogen, helium, and lithium levels. Are you guys selling drugs or elements? They're not weird. Or is there some chemistry set? They're nice. And you can can help us out with one, two, or three dollars per month. Okay, and then you can also... I see that you can suggest a movie... Yeah, two. Like Under the Skin or The Big Lebowski? If you go for the top shelf, you can pick two movies and tell us, and we will review them. We'll do it. Yeah, we got Dune up there. We got Superman Returns, which is brutal. It's not that bad. Snowpiercer is so bad. I like Ah, it. I love Snowpiercer. Um, But yeah, the Coen brothers are going to be back in a few weeks, folks, because we're doing The Big Lebowski. It's going to be really good. Um, That movie is pretty... Awesome. Yes, yes. We thank Fidel for that one. 
Um, yeah, go on to patreon.com slash vertical viewing and become one of our beloved patrons. Whatever you want us to review, aside from a Serbian film, it's uh, up for up for grabs, man. Yeah. You're going to get us, like, shadow banned if you keep... If we mention that, yeah. is it banned in this country? I get it. It's banned it's everywhere. It's banned in good taste. Your thoughts and recommendations, go to our email address. That is verticalviewing at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at verticalviewing. Instagram shadow banned there we were actually banned there for sure i think it's maybe using those like periods for indenting Mm -hmm. our theme song it's by the anti-theory we're back again i don't have a ton of stuff red you probably don't either because you never do come on i got a couple things but they're not that new i've watched a couple episodes of punisher (laughs) it's all right Eh. uh and that's about it. And Mindhunters, the first two episodes of Mindhunters. It's tight. It's nice. super tight. Yeah. And I'm excited to uh, hunt some mines with these two dudes. Not a great title, right? Uh, I think Appropriate. it remains to be seen. Appropriate. Remains for, to be seen. You can't, it's hard to recommend. Mindhunters. Okay, I'm going to forget what that title is later. I but. just keep saying Fincher, like David Fincher. He's my man. It's, it's like a Zodiac TV show, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I want to yeah. watch more of it. But yeah, that's it for me. Oh, wow. So nothing. No. Oh. Nice. All right, Mike. Uh, yeah, I watched Colossal for yeah. the first time. I, like, you talked about it on the show before. I don't know what to make of this movie because it's kind of stupid. I like the premise of this sandbox, this mysterious sandbox that only a couple people can at the same time every fucking day make this monster and there's like that deep deep seated childhood trauma f- side of it but Jason, like you had mentioned this in the chat Jason Sudeikis' his ch- character well, like who the fuck is this guy like it's such a he's such a bad character well the, the his villainous nature comes out of nowhere right it's unmo- yeah. unmotivated and ridiculous this is the film where Anne Hathaway's drunkenness is personified as a gigantic kaiju destroying soul so picture i guess like pacific rim mixed with what like a a, a, some sort of girl interrupted i don't know one of those sober right those sober films where it's all it's all about sobering up and getting your your act together those feel good you know alcoholism kind of films. Yeah, but that's not even what it's about. Like, ostensibly, that's what it's about, her getting her life back in order, and uh, the new beast from the live-action Beauty and the Beast is in there uh, as the boyfriend who is doing the tough love things. Like, you have to get your shit together. Cool. But then she has to deal with this abusive old friend uh, out of nowhere Yeah, that doesn't have any effect on her drinking or not drinking, except he tries to make her drink in this one scene, like this is a mess. It started off pretty interesting. And I thought the last 40 minutes of this was just all over the place. Really? I think it worked a little better for me. I think I have yet to give this a go, but I'm kind of curious now because of like, I'm, I, I want to see this and see where it goes wrong. My gripes with it were more about how the, like the, you've got these, Millions of lives in danger in Seoul, Korea. These non-white characters that are just like completely—they're throwaways, n- non 
essential to the plot in any way. Like their lives are disposable <clears throat> in service of Anne Hathaway's silly, you know, attempts at getting sober and becoming less depressed. Like who could care about? Hey, don't diminish female empowerment. Well, that's what this is about, I guess. But at the expense of. <laughs> But don't millions also of don't Korean diminish, lives. yeah, South Korea, yeah, <laughs> kind of killing these. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the metaphor is supposed to mean. Well, that's where with I'm, these bat, like this sort of. I guess you're, you're, you're the beasts that are in you, or you know, what I mean, the monster that that you become when you're yeah, addicted but, to substances. But then they literally show them get hit by lightning. Yeah, and I know it's there's this fantastical this, element. Like, weird, it, yeah, like it, it does itself a disservice, I think, with a lot of that shit, which is too bad. So it I, is a mess. It, it it descended into an incoherent mess for me, mm, but I liked okay. I liked the start of it. Okay, Red, I'll sell you on this. It's from director Nacho Bigalando, our time crimes brother. So so he's crazy. So it's I gotta wor- check it's it out. worth watching. It's it's worth seeing. Time Crimes was so much better though. <laughs> it certainly was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I also rewatched Mad Max Fury Road because <laughs> it's one of the best action movies ever, and it definitely holds up. Yes, that's all I really have to say about that. This there's is too still much speed ramping in it, man. No, there's not. There's just the right no, amount. With, it, like with the music, it's frantic enough. Like it, it just works so well for me. Yeah. The, the, the last time I watched it, for for whatever reason, my speed ramping like dial was turned up, and I just was watching for any of those scenes. You remember the old Batman series yeah. from the '60s, and in in order to make the Batmobile look look remotely cool, they had to speed just the film up, crank like, it way up, crank it. They're doing that a lot in Fury Road, and for whatever reason, I just got obsessed with pulling those scenes out of the movie, and I had to turn it off because I was just. I don't know. I was I was watching the scenes too so, deeply. I was seeing the strings. I don't know. I have like a parallel. This is an aside, but if you're ever watching um, uh, Dazed and Confused, watch the kid put his fingers on the bridge of his nose. Yeah. See, I I can understand that you too. Do a because drinking game, right? I uh, I'll turn I, the movie off. The the different the manipulation of speeds on film. If you get stuck in that mindset, it's definitely gonna. It, it's just like semantic sati- satiation, where you just say the same word oh. over and over and oh. it loses meaning. Oh. Uh, you guys semantic look surprised. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just freaking out. That semantic was semantic satiation. It's hot in here. Oh. It's getting uh, hot in here right now. But uh, yeah, it's like 300 for me. I absolutely hate that movie just because it's all slow mo. Uh, but I don't think like Mad Max doesn't quite go to that level for me. No, no, no. I'm um, talking about in the other direction. Uh, well, I know we're not we're not slowing shit down. We're speeding shit up, you know, to get even more goodness. And the problem with in. that is that stuff doesn't behave the way it uh, right. Stuff is jittery and stuff is it looks a little bit cheap. And but I know that's mimicking the style. That's George Miller, and he's that's like how it. you make a Mad I Max like movie. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just I just got obsessed. So good. And uh, since it's December now, we picked up a Christmas tree yesterday and had some eggnog and rum, and we put on the night before while we were getting everything ready. Uh, all right. And this is a great Christmas movie, guys, just to have on when you're doing something, because every time that Michael Shannon comes on the screen as Mr. Green, the world lights up. <laughs> Yeah, I want a spin-off film with Mr. Green. Just I forgot how amazing his character is in this film. Like I don't like the rest of it's pretty good too. I forget what this movie is about entirely. The night before? We reviewed the night before. I know. 
Well, yeah. it's the uh, we got Seth Rogen and we got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Ant- parents died in a car accident, like uh, Christmas. So Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, who's a flat earther, and uh, <laughs> Seth Rogen show Come up on. as their their Christmas thing, and they're trying to get into the Nutcracker Ball. And this year they've got it, and they throughout the course of the movie they have to buy. Dr- it's like a Christmas Carol, except for stoners a little, because it's got. The, the weed of pre- the Christmas present, the weed of Christmas <laughs> See, past. That's what I'm talking about. I want a whole movie where, the, okay, the idea of Santa perhaps being a weed dealer, that's pretty funny. I think you could make a whole movie. This, but I'm sure this, there, there's got to be a The movie. movie starts off in rhyme being narrated by Tracy Morgan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Red, you can go to listen to our web uh, and go to fitworkreview.com. I can I can hear what I thought. Of. <laughs> yeah, isn't that hilarious? Uh, I mean, we we all gave it an okay, like an average score, but it, like it's a good movie to have on around Christmas. Like it's and that's, that's what we stuff. talked about during the review was whether or not it would be something that is rewatchable, which is kind of the cornerstone of any good Christmas yeah. movie. So if it really this is the first year that I've done that. Uh, and, and it works. It, it worked for me. Okay, so. I'll give it another go this I year. Like, I like when the, uh, Seth Rogen's wife gives him the little thing of drugs, it's like every drug. In it's, it's, she says it's every drug in the world, <laughs> and this, oh, she doesn't know the ratios or something. So she gives him like one joint and one pill of ecstasy in like a tiny thing. She just doesn't understand it. I I, I can't remember if they just. Do all of it or whatever, but Seth Rogen assuredly does. Well, there's he's, there's, he's, he's always popping, a drug scene, right? He is popping different pills throughout the course. He's just trying yeah. to even himself out because he starts off eating way <laughs> too many mushrooms. So he he has to get like Seth Rogen has in his contract. I think <clears throat> in every movie he has to do drugs or be on drugs at some point. Perhaps play some old school. You know, '90s hip hop. While there's a drug trip scene happening, like a slow motion, yeah, like it's, or a montage, <laughs> right? Uh, is there any other goodies? No, just those three. Okay. Um. So I watched this Oats Studio short film called Adam. A new one. Have did, you guys did watched? That just this? come out. So there's part three. Just came out of Adam. Yeah. I Were I hadn't parts one and I, two. I hadn't seen any of these, so I figured, okay, well, I'll watch this whole thing. I'm a giant nerd, so I'm just going to come on the record here. I downloaded all three of these short films off of the uh, Oats YouTube page, put them into Adobe Premiere, put a bunch of... Is that what you were doing when I got here? No, that that's not what I was doing. Oh, okay. Um, and I edited it all into like a 20-minute short with like the scenes cut together, and I put like a crazy film. It's nerdy as fuck. Did you send it to Neil Blomkamp? Did you put some mm, he wouldn't vertical care. viewing commercials in the middle? No, no. I created one. But the, the Adam is really awesome, dudes. It's First of all, it's made in Unity, which is like a video game engine, and it's made in real time. So all the, char- all the actors are in mocap suits, and they have these rigs, and they're filming the characters interacting. And it's all rendered, like pre-rendered, I guess. So as they're acting, the scene is in its final finished form. So they're almost filming computer graphics in real time, if you understand. Yeah. Like overlaying whatever you want on the screen, on the scene. It's all fully rendered in advance. As you go. So it's, yeah, it's done as you film it. So you can sit and watch in the little video village with your editor and all your cinematographer. Just watch this finished thing. Um, so, but anyway, the story of Adam, it, it starts with this prisoner robot waking up in this weird cell and he 
walks out with a bunch of other prisoner robots and they've been released into the wild or something. And then this other weird fucking robot comes and he goes with his fucking hand and all the robots, their little screens deactivate and they are free now. Like they're no longer prisoners. They're basically robot means slave. Well, that's their brains. So in this, in this world, uh, like criminals are seeing their brains are tainted because they're, you know, villains or fucking criminals for whatever reason their brain is not usable but the rest of their body is so they strip these criminals of like all their organs and bones and shit and just for whatever reason but they leave your brain intact and stick it into this robot chassis and just say all right you fucking idiot you're done (laughs) um so it's about these weird brain beings in these robot suits the Uh, bad guys the criminals yeah and they're given like their freedom by this weird shaman robot. It's fucking dope, man. Hmm. It's huh. really cool. Yeah, I want to. I want to see. Dude, Adam is these. dope. All and all three parts are out. Cause, and the third part is really. It shifts to these, I guess, antagonists, and they're like fucking killing one of these things. And it's like uh, this chick is related to the guy. It's fucking insane. Oats. Okay, Adam. It's really. It's really dope. Um. But I also watched a feature film on Netflix. It's called Mudbound. You watched it. I watched Mudbound, dudes. How heavy is this? It's uh, it's not as heavy as you know, Twelve Years a Slave or something. Okay, but is it like heavy like Detroit? So it n- not no no no. It's it's a, it's an interesting movie. Actually, it feels like a luxurious and um like broad narrative that would normally get adapted into like 10 episodes like a mini series on AMC or something or Netflix like why isn't this a Netflix mini series it really feels like a full 10 episode run edited down to 2 hours and 15 minutes or whatever so mm. it it's really interesting to watch a movie that in these days would be a TV show um and it works but the first hour i would say is like we're just setting these characters up, and what Mudbound is the story of two families sharing a plot of land in Louisiana in the 1940s. Uh, one family's black, one family's white, and it's got a Terrence Malick vibe going on. You got narration in the heads of these characters, um, but it works a lot better than Terry Malick's doing these days because the narration is motivated. Makes <laughs> it makes sense. It's real. It's, it's in this world. Well, it's. Like, it's not frustratingly abstract. Like, he wrote a script for it. Like, people are making shit up. Um, yeah, the inner inner monologues actually tell some motivation about each of the characters. And we get inner monologues very briefly of all seven or eight of this ensemble, both the black and white characters, including the racist ones. So, at times, we're in their heads and we're hearing their narration of sort of their lives from the perspective of a racist and interesting they're behaving in ways that is unexpected like oh why is our protagonist acting so fucking racist right now and jason mitchell our boy easy e who's super prime right now yeah i think he's uh he's key. rising star he's a cool dude he's in this he comes back from world war ii um and his before he's even welcomed back as a hero, which he really isn't because he's black and it's Mississippi yeah. or Louisiana. And so like halfway around the world, he's seen as an equal soldier, a hero. But back at home. But at, at his home, right, where he's, 
like where he's, he's from fighting to protect. Um, but yeah, he's like subhuman. But it's interesting, not touched on in the movie. There's a lot of shit that went down in World War II with how black soldiers were treated, obviously, but including some battles and skirmishes and campaigns that were actually like spearheaded and like handled by black battalions and then white troops came in and like no no we actually took this town actually you guys can fuck off and all the credit even in the history books is actually officially given to these white battalions it like there's some sketchy shit that happened even over there Hmm. which the movie doesn't touch on i think just for simplicity's sake um but some of the war stuff is awesome and the movies flip-flopping back between the families and their Sons off at war, and these two there's a black soldier and a white soldier, and they come back and start bonding. Family starts flipping out. Yeah, it, the movie earns everything, and it I think it's not a like not a home run. I don't know if this would have been a key movie for us to review, but it is good, it is really good. Hmm. You can feel the whole time shit is not building to a good place. And the opening scene, which is this funeral grave digging sequence is sort of like a flash forward that lands with so much more impact by the end of the movie. Once you know the context of these characters and how they're involved and sort of who's helping who with this funeral. Yeah. You asked if it was intense, not 12 years of slave level, but there's some, there's some crazy ass fucking lynching and shit. So like the hallway in Detroit, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, that's that's a horror movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's uh yeah, that's not this. Mudbound's really good though. I recommend it. It's, you know, it's a challenge cuz it's a rough subject and it's, you know, it's a luxurious narrative as I said. So picture when you're watching it that you're actually sitting through a full season of a show. So it actually might be more rewarding cuz I'm not down with fucking 180 hours of my life yeah. yeah, to a season, right? Fair enough. Yeah, Mudbound's dope. I don't know what else, guys. I think we might have all shared the same pleasure this week. Uh-oh. Are you going to flip a coin now? Crinkle up a little cashew package? If I had a 1958 quarter... Uh, it's taken 22 years to get here. Well, that would be made apparently out of, like, silver, which is pretty sweet, so I would keep it. tend to win everything, call it. All right. Heads in.
Well done. Don't put it in your pocket, sir. Don't put it in your pocket. It's your lucky quarter. Where do you want me to put it? Anywhere not in your pocket. What will be mixed in with the others and become just a coin. Which it is. So that was a clip from No Country for Old Men. Violence and mayhem ensue after a hunter stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong and more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. No Country for Old Men is written and directed by the Coen Bros. And you got Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, Woody Harrelson, and Kelly McDonald as Carla Jean Moss. Now, this was also based off of a Cormac McCarthy it was. Uh, piece of writing, which was actually written as a screenplay. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so this this one, Best Picture in 2008, I guess for the year 2007. 2007. It's kind of a big deal. Best Directors, Best Adapted Screenplay, and best Supporting have heard Actor. Of it. You may yeah, have seen this movie. Maybe most high profile would be Javier Bardem. Anton Chigurh, his haircut single-handedly... Like, was a meme itself. Giving him the... He said he wasn't going to get laid for a year or something. <laughs> I think that's what Javier... I'm not kidding. From that mop top. Yeah. So, this movie has a reputation. People love it. I, for one, think it robbed There Will Be Blood from Best Picture that year. Huh. I think that, in a way, Javier Bardem robbed... Daniel Day-Lewis? No, he won for Best lead actor the best supporting actor category in 2007 included casey affleck's performance in the assassination of jesse james he played robert ford uh-huh. and his performance in that movie is really tortured and nuanced and way more mm, that's a- layered and complex than javier bardem's but you know he's the hannibal i feel like the hannibal lecter award went yeah. to bardem here right i agree uh, but this movie is more than just a weird-haired serial killer <laughs> chasing people. Is he? Red, what did you think of No Country for Old Men? Well, having not watched it in a while, this was a reminder of just how violent this movie is. <laughs> um, from the very beginning, the scene with um, Anton Jagger and the police officer who first arrests him, uh, quite violent spurts of blood well have you have you ever seen a kill like this with a handcuff kill i mean i perhaps you would think you might expect it to stop just at the like strangle strangulation the asphyxiation but no 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 it that chain he has some bite well he 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 bursts his neck he is he is grasping so tightly around this poor cop's neck and right before he goes out he says i got it all under control i think click hangs up the phone I love the shot from above. It, it tells the whole story right after the incident is is over, and you just see the cowboy boots and all the scuff marks. Can you on believe the floor. that? Yeah, that, that that shot is awesome. So my my notes begin with the word "detailed," just in capital letters, spaced out with a bunch of spaces between each letter. <laughs> yeah. That's the, this whole movie is detailed. The, well, there's so many shots that are just perfect compositions just like that one that if you haven't seen what just happened you still could look at one frame and know what happened is that 
Roger Deakins or is that yeah, the Coen brothers? It's a little bit, I think. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, But this movie, I like it because it seems not that it's a simple story, but it's it's you know it's got these archetypes in it, and there's so many uh, different themes I think that are pretty like universal. We're talking about really big things like like uh, choice and chance and and things like that, and so to keep the story simple makes it actually more meaningful. Um, I love it. I love this movie. The Coens, they did that with Oh Brother a little bit, right? They're yeah. simplifying a huge it, epic. At, like It's the Odyssey, right? Yeah, it allows you to add layers, right? So it's uh, it's a lot of fun in a really dark and twisted way. It's a lot of fun. No Country for Old Men. I would say it's actually... <laughs> you heard it here first. It is, you know what? I would, I'm going to counteract that. Counter that it's, it's Fargo with no humor in it, actually. So it's not fun at all. Yeah, fun's the wrong word. <laughs> Granted. But he loves it. That was a misstep. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think of this movie? I'm, <clears throat> I have only watched... Like, I watched this movie recently not that long ago, and I talked about it briefly yeah. on the podcast. Um, so watching it again was fantastic. Uh, uh, this movie is great. Detailed, as you were saying. Everything is in place, and they, they pay such close attention to all of the little details, such it, as the cashew wrapper. The, a shot specifically for an accordioned cashew wrapper just expanding. Unfurling on the counter. Yeah. Why is in that, that so in, terrifying? In that pregnant moment, because there is so much menace already. Like, Anton Chigurh is such a powerful force of nature basically he's thrown this guy off he, he's already on his back foot and then just this silence where there's like this th- unspoken threat almost well, like it and he's so casual about it he's eating goddamn cashews yeah it's yeah he's man. just so fatal fatalistic fate i don't know what the word is yeah but. The, fa- the fact that they can add so much tension and horror into just an uh, an empty wrapper unfurling uh, is insane right i find it odd that uh javier bardem is a supporting role in this though the movie's about him i have major issues with who the main character like, is in this movie i think the, the the movie is about sheriff bell it his narration opens and closes the film yeah and yeah. maybe about- does the does the narrative ramble in the same way that Ed Tom Bell's stories do, is, is that is doesn't the movie itself kind of mimic his rambling well, storytelling? I feel like it's about like the, how like crime is changing with time, and and there's it, you know the the title "No Country for Old Men" is about the sheriff, right? Yeah, but crime, but they go to great lengths in here too, saying that you know crime isn't changing with time; you're just getting old, like. You're you're aging yourself out of this. Like his was his that his old is it his brother that he goes to see? I don't know. I think it's his uncle. I believe the old man in the wheelchair. Because it's not really clear, but him just talking about that other dude getting shot on his porch. Like crime has been the same forever. It's just that you're getting old, so that it seems like it's worse than it was. Is is that that may be the lesson that Tommy Lee Jones, Ed Tom Bell. Is that what he learns throughout the course of the movie? Because the, the, he's just it, too old for this shit. The monologue begins basically by saying criminals these days are are on another level. They're some of they're pure evil, right? There's characters here who are just pure menace, as you said. 
they're, it's not like the old timers where you could walk around without a gun, which is what Tommy Lee Jones does. He doesn't even carry yeah, a, he's, a yeah. pistol half the and time. That's right? his line, right? He says some of the old sheriffs didn't carry them. People don't believe that, but it's yeah. Texas, and you don't have a gun. Which is is it West Texas? This is hell or high water country, yeah. right? Um, so on the second watching, I'm a, the movie deflates a little. At what point? Uh, I would say it's an interesting transition from uh, like the hotel where the jo- Josh Brolin gets killed. Oh, you mean mean the eight hundred different hotel scenes in this yeah. movie? One one of the eight hundred. But <laughs> once I love how he's. Uh, he's having the conversation with the woman. It's like, you never really see what's coming. And then all of a sudden, oh, we didn't see what happened. We didn't see it coming. He didn't see it coming, obviously. It's done. But then the urgency and all the agency that this film had of us trying to root for Josh Brolin, like he seems like an innocent enough guy, but he's gone. And now it's just I think playing that's, out. That's to like mirror the sort of casual nature that like Jigur, like when he's talking to the guy over the cashew wrapper and he's flipping a coin like that's the significance to like the the, the man behind the counter recognizes the significance you know he's like I'm not going to call it until you tell me what we're playing for and Jigur is like it doesn't matter regardless of what you put into it or what we're playing for you've been putting it up your whole it's life it's as simple man. as a flip of a coin at any moment and I think the fact that Brolin's character is gone in a moment is the same idea. True. Uh, the movie, I think, just doesn't necessarily recover from that for me. Like, it does sh- sort of necessarily shift gears at that point, yeah. right? Like you can't continue in the same way. Well, that's what I want someone to convince me on, and I no one's successfully done it yet other than just saying you, quote-unquote, didn't get it. So maybe if I want to convince myself here that this movie loses momentum in the last... 30 minutes or so I feel like perhaps the Coen brothers are going for as you shift characters then the perspective of the movie changes as well so then things will start happening off screen because the perspective that we're following isn't there for that particular moment right I I don't know if they hired a new editor to come in like 75% of the way through this movie but Josh Brolin was like Called in to make a different movie. I don't know, but it feels like movie like scenes start getting the front and back ends of them sliced off, and we start ending scenes and rushing through sequences in a really bizarre way, and we start leaping into weird ambiguity zones. And the movie built up all of this methodical tension for so long, and then it's just gone. It it just dissolves. Now, right? Is this the movie putting theme ahead of? narrative creative was some bold creative choice that people have just said to me well the coen brothers don't give a fuck coen brothers are 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 brazen auteurs and they don't care about your expectations and which 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 is fine i love you you can do what you want coen brothers which is fine it just doesn't mean that everyone's gonna like it and it doesn't mean it's a masterpiece it just means that they're serving their own ends right like this is risks yeah they're, they're following their own creative vision doesn't mean that that makes it a masterpiece, right? Um, but the just movie makes it Cohen Brothers exactly. It it still mesmerizes you, and it's it feels like one of those classic movies that 
this will always stand up, I think, as a movie, and it always draws you in, like Kubrick films and Scorsese films. Like you just get drawn into this whole thing, but the the movie kind of swindles you by the end. I think a little bit. You've invested a lot in this cat and mouse game that is like one of the best in maybe cinema, like in history, right? Of just these amazing back and forth sort of scenes where, you know, he, he's hiding the money in the air ducts well, and they're just standing in between doorways. Even and Even before that, like the fact that he goes to the, the where he finds the uh, the money at the first. Moss. Yeah, where Moss finds the money. And then he goes back to give water to the guy. Like, the, you know that like that is the one of the worst decisions in film history. He right there. Says, yeah, he's he like, says, he's like, I'm doing something stupid, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm fixing to do something dumber than hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole movie hinges on that moment, really. Yeah. If he didn't. Well, actually, there's a couple things. Yeah. That it hinges on. I, there's one criticism that I have of this movie, which is, I mean, we you talked about how you can't have uh, and pay any attention to continuity errors. But I think the fact that he never like. There's a transponder involved in this movie, right? That's how Jagur is tracking the money, and it's how, at one point, he gets he receives the like tracking unit, and so he just kills those other two dudes. Um, but like a transponder like that would be big, and that's why the money's in that huge case, and it would be really heavy, and the range would be really shitty, and you'd need somebody in an airplane tracking it, and like you would not be able to find him in his fucking trailer park with that thing unless you knew that he took it. I believe Shigur, I think it's sort of a small town situation, right? And Shigur knows there's only so many hotels he yeah, can be in. It's and- not a huge plot hole, but it's a small, it, it is a hole. But I kind of have one question okay. that I've been meaning to bring up. Okay. And I wonder what you guys think of this. And it's kind of shifting gears a little bit here. <laughs> but the, there's a scene where Shigur drives across a bridge and sees a crow. And like out of nowhere, he raises his suppressed shotgun and fires at a crow and seemingly misses and the crow flies off. Well, he hits the bridge actually. He strikes the Does he metal, shoot the bridge? Yeah. and it and the bridge is actually seen resonating and and gung. There's a nice sound from when he hits that. It, I don't know, it's satisfying. No clue what it means whatsoever. Maybe he's crossing over the river Styx perhaps. Uh, that'll do actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain. Yeah, but how would yeah. I don't know the bridge. He's crossing. I I'm you not going to get into that. Don't cross river sticks in the I, bridge. You cross it in the the. Oh yeah, the, you go down the boat. The ferryman yeah. chair and yeah. crosses yeah. you across. Okay. okay. Um, but <laughs> why is there a crow? Like crows do have something to do with death? Right? Definitely. I think it's they just, can cross back and forth. It's just some fun imagery. I think. You know. Oh, that, okay. That sounds Cohen to me. Some some, some fun imagery. No. <laughs> I'm, it's in my gotta, notes. It's in my gotta notes. be more. There's got to be more. Michael, what do you think of this crow? Why does he shoot him? Why does he miss? I don't fucking know. <laughs> like uh that'd be that'd be good to analyze more. I don't know. I don't think he missed on purpose. I just don't think he's that great a shot. Yeah, yeah, I, he is. I have an idea. When he's is shooting he? when he's shooting at the dude in the pickup truck, he's they're all landing right in the windshield. I have an idea. From like fucking down the road. That's think, true, but he's not in a moving vehicle. I think the crow indicates that uh Anton Jagur is in fact death. Because crows can jump back and forth between the land of the living and the land of the oh, dead. Oh, listen supposedly, to that. Right? So Jagur would just find this 
animal like pesky and annoying because it would like be able to bother him. So he sees it and like, you know, the raven and he shoots at it and it's just like, meh, and sort of flies away. <laughs> it's like a Simpsons it. moment, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's just too. Uh, and he does look frustrated, right? When he sees the bird, like he's just like, ah, right away. Um, yeah, okay. I, think it's I can get on board. I could Reaper. get on board with that. He's the Grim Reaper, and that's his sight. Oh yeah, there, there's uh, there's way more signs. I think before this scene even happens, that you can kind of the coin scene to me is evidence that he is fate and death yeah, and the sure, Grim Reaper sure. right right away. And that's your kind of your first dialogue scene that you get with Shigure as a character, other than just would you step out of the car, please? Well, the, yeah, or would you, you stand right here? The, <laughs> the game with death sort of thing like take your chances but play we're playing a game and if you beat me you're you're fine you, you're free to leave yeah you could always play a game of chance with death right with yeah. the grim reaper yeah it's like in bill and ted's bogus journey it, it exists yes. ask to play Candyland, <laughs> and then melvin death and escape like that um so the 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 movie opens again with Ed Tom Bell's rambling narration, and we, it feels like I'm watching. I don't know if it's rambling. Is well, it's it? not. It feels like it is, but he, there's very clear themes being brought up in all of what he's saying. Right? It, it's not it, nonsense. It matches the sort of like open landscape that you're seeing. It looks like yeah. 2001. Right? It looks like a prehistoric landscape in 2001: A Space Odyssey when it's just apes in this primordial land, and and. Tommy Lee Jones even says, I, I, my mind wanders and I just say shit. His character just admits to being someone who rambles. And that's pretty much all he does in well, this I, movie. I think it like really matches with the landscape and it, it, it serves because when we get these long panning shots of like just totally sort of desolate desert he's talking about the old timers yeah and then well, you get really small glimpses of little man-made objects like you see power lines or you'll see like a windmill off in the distance that's awesome and then eventually you see like traffic and then you know we get the close-up shot of the police car so like even out in this wild land where you're hearing this sheriff talk about how we don't have to carry no guns then we get this there's law out here here's the law man it, well, it, yeah, to me it read just like an old man sitting on its porch talking to somebody about the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, How- so, and so they're looking out on the land, on their country, uh, just reminiscing. And that's what we're doing at the start with them. But it's talking about how criminals these days are pure evil, which is kind of what Anton Chigurh is. And you can... Is that maybe what the point of the movie is? Is that these days we're getting legit crazy psychos whereas back in my day you know the worst that it was somebody stole a soda from the true vlad the impaler never did anything bad yeah i guess right i don't know yeah evil's always there and i think that's what tommy lee jones ed bell he learns that when he talks to his uncle ellis right like it's not it's it's the classic the world has changed around you right you you thought that you know, like it's it's actually you well, just yeah. You thought the world changed around you, but actually it was you just you getting there. older yeah. and yeah. Um, and I guess that's the no country for old men, right? That's I don't it. know. Yeah. Um, well, they even say no country for old men in it at one point. Like this is no country for old men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's also the, the like a line from a Keats poem, I believe. But it feels like this Shigur character is is. 
He's different than just a regular criminal, obviously, right? Oh, yeah, he's he slaughtering is, people like cattle. He's like literally the killer, like with capital T, capital K. I can't believe that there's two super insane, bizarre, fucked up kills within the first five minutes of this movie, right? You got the handcuffs, like strangle, blood everywhere. And then when, what was your first reaction? Did you know about the cattle prod in this movie? So when you see the guy get the little contraption up to his head, would you stand right there, please? Well, I'm good chunk. I mean, I came from Saskatchewan, so you know so. <laughs> you knew what was coming. I knew what was coming with that. No, thing. you were prepared. The first time I saw this movie, I had not heard of one of those things. No, I did not know what. The, why would I know what was used to like euthanize? <laughs> yeah, cattle in a, in a really humane way as possible. So I guess uh, our our poor dude doesn't really feel anything. He just goes down immediately, right? Slaughtering like actual cattle. So he's, you know. It's just a, like an it's a performative act. Like it's not, or sorry, it's not a performative act. It's like a totally practical thing. It's like the way we slaughter our meat. You know, it's just. But when does he offer the coin flip? When he doesn't need to kill you, and he needs to just sort of let fate determine it. Yep, basically. If he needs to kill you, he's not going to give you the. He wasn't even going to engage the benefit. That guy. Uh, yeah, it was because the guy he like started car. a conversation. As soon as he started a conversation, he was like. If you talk to me, I kill you, kind of thing. Yes. Well, is that is that how it works? If you look at him or talk to him, he will kill you. He might kill you. He was going to kill the lady at the trailer park, right? Yeah, but there's someone there. Toilet flush. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I guess maybe engaging him, but I I, like that for me was more the guy had an interest in him. Like, what's the weather like up your way? I noticed you're from Dallas. So like these are details. You noticed me. Like these are details that would work against him. You can't notice me. You can't yeah. be a witness. Hmm. He's a complicated guy. It's not as simple as just he destroys everything in his path. It's almost that simple. It is? Almost. Well, it is it, almost. Yeah, you're right. It's almost. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> the, ki- the kids, right? Like, even like, other criminals, though. Like, yeah. Like, the two guys that give him the transponder. Who the fuck does he work yeah. for, right? You never really... Yeah. Is himself. That's, that's how you know that he's just straight up the Grim Reaper. Because he doesn't... He, he doesn't work for anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't really want the money, does he? I don't feel like he wants... Well, what would, what would Anton Odessa Scro- after, like, the money's, like, lost. He's still he killing... he still goes and just tries to kill the, the wife, right? Yeah, the Mexicans have the money, but he's still murdering... He's still completing his... Yeah. his, his what, do you, what do you mean tries? Is this a debate? He killed no, her. Oh, yeah. Everyone's definitely Everybody's dead. done, man. He checks his shoes when he leaves the house. How subtle, <laughs> how detailed and subtle can you fucking get? This is kind of what... The, Show the, don't tell. The last yeah. 30 minutes of the movie just gets so rushed. Where they're like, okay, um, we don't even have time to like film any like murder scene here, so just check the, 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 the soles of your shoes. Like we, We're so strapped for time. We got to end this before 8 I o'clock. I think it's probably more thoughtful than that. Well, it yeah. is, it is, <laughs> but it, it, it's... Well, yeah, it's no. a strange shift from the way the rest of the seven, other seventy five percent of this film is paced. Yeah, you're right. I think this shows a different uh, tone as well because this is when we see the vulnerable Jagger, right? This is when he gets in the car accident, and this. I is mean, we're he, way ahead of ourselves. But on, he's relying on these boys. Um, Do we only we only see the deaths that he is part of? Well, that's what I'm talking about. This, yeah. The perspective shifts and then, wildly depending on like who the Coens are following at any given moment, right? Like the the point of view is different. So stuff is off screen, and you only see. There's a scene where 
the second hotel scene, I think, where Moss is jumping out the window and the the door bought the doorknob or yeah flies into his chest and he gets all fucked up and shit. That whole scene, you never even see Shigur. He is just flashes of light from windows and alleyways and doorways. So, I don't know. The movie's always playing tricks on you that way. But in that scene, too, Moss shoots at Shigur, I believe, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a yeah, couple yeah, yeah. of he gets a round off. Well, I mean, he's a deer sniper, right? Deer sniper. Is that a tech, the I technical don't know. term? He's a super hunter? tracker. When we, when we first meet Brolin... Llewellyn well, Moss. The reason that Llewellyn has the money is because he tracked. He's like, a sick a, tracker, a, man. A dude, he's from, a sick tracker. Like he, it begins with him tracking. Man. Yeah, he's tracking a a bleeding deer or buck that he's hunting. Manhunter. Then that leads him to this crazy drug deal gone wrong, and you you get the sense that someone else would not have deduced sort of the crime scene and figured which way there's a last man standing here. Who has the money? There was some money here. Oh, he's probably hiding underneath some shade. Like he, he fucking nails this whole thing. He manhunters, man trackers the shit that's out of this. The, that's what I was trying man to make tracker. a man tracker. Yeah. Um, well, it's like three it's, different it's blood really trails good. too. First, he's tracking the blood from the the deer, deer that he shoots, which he totally leaves because then he starts tra- well, trailing a dog. Shit. He's like, "What the fuck is this pit bull doing out in the middle of the desert?" It looks hurt, and he follows that the other way, and then. He finds the the just mayhem, and so, then he's like, "Ooh, there's another blood trail leaving." It's a like, sweet little mystery, this, right? This and, car, and just the just when he just says, "I reckon I'd go back out the way I came," like all that one line has so much weight. It's like, "Oh, okay, if I was the last man standing, I'd just go back out the same way I, I came." So I don't know where I am, that. so yeah, yeah, I have to go this way. Yeah, and that's sort of where you get the the idea that oh, regular protagonist might not have even stumbled upon the money right yeah. like his his intuition and his nosiness his choices have gotten the chances him, that he took yeah. if you will yeah why does he have a illegal submachine gun though he doesn't he just picked it up that's the one he got off of that yeah he thought it dude, looked oh, really okay, cool okay and he's hiding it under his well he knows yeah. someone's gonna come after him <laughs> yeah i'd be grabbing some cool so he's got it ready okay i thought it was more like yeah okay Okay. Actually, so here's a question I have. Then did yeah. did Shigur actually kill the? I, I was convinced that he killed uh, the wife. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Because of the shoes, but that would be the only off-screen death that he was involved in in the entire film. So it's it stands out as something completely different, right? So did he? I don't know. I mean, within the rules of the film, maybe not. Uh, we, you could actually argue, you know, there's evidence that she does not, that he does not kill her. I mean, we're jumping he did, ahead here. If he yeah, did, we would see it. The the scene, my favorite scene in the movie probably is where Brolin, Moss says, all right, that's like the whole movie hinges on him lying in bed going, all right. And then that's when he gets up, decides to get some agua, head back down to the crime scene. And he, he thinks best when he's about to sleep. The middle of the night, right? And when he arrives, this whole the way this whole sequence is staged down in the valley, like the the, the bad the, timing, the sense of vulnerability that you feel as this other truck appears high on the ridge next to his, and they pop his tires, and they start driving down, and the way that the sun rises th- as this sequence progresses, like I have no idea how they filmed this. Think about how hard that was. 
the it, timing for the crew like how many did they did they do that in how many days i have no take, idea it's right? crazy but if you watch the scene the sun like periodically gets brighter and brighter in every shot as it begins you need like these guys have all these huge lights on their jeep and, yeah and that's how they can see but the chase scene which has got that iconic shot of Brolin running in the desert and that monstrous truck coming up behind him. Feels like it's straight out of Sorcerer, yeah. actually, with that bright light of the trucks, all those, you know, or like, like floodlights. Uh, what's that movie with the truck chasing the guy? Christine? <laughs> no, that's... No, no. Duel? No. Duel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Spielberg movie. Yeah. yeah, I love evil trucks, man. Jeepers Creepers has got a good one. Yep. Um... But yeah, that that sequence ends with the sun rising and that fucking dope scene where Brolin gets out of the water, cleans his motherfucking gun, puts it back together, and then pops a shot off into the pit bull. Just in time. I don't even know how they they executed that scene. Like the, the and the way that it slumps into him as the shot goes off. I mean, that is like fuck the shower scene in Psycho, dudes. The dog <laughs> shooting scene in No Country. This this whole movie is just film school. And yeah, just watch this movie, and you don't have to go to film school. Well, just stop it. Film schooled. Yeah, stop it seventy five percent of the way through though, because you don't need it. Well, after Brolin's gone, you don't like it. <laughs> I'm still down. I think it's about the sheriff. So I know it's a. a but it shifts yeah, perspective so many times. Shift, but well, it, it really rocks you, right? You get well, whiplash. For, this, this is purposely yeah, your head is rocked around. Follow me on this one, then. It's because you're, he, you're they're trying to share the experience that the sheriff is having, where he feels like you're on your things are going one way for you, and you're comfortable. You like the movie, and then all of a sudden it changes, and it keeps changing, and you don't you, you're not really keeping up with it, and you don't like it anymore the way they're doing it. Well, that's kind of like how Sheriff Ed Bell was like totally comfortable being a cop for so long. And then all of a sudden he feels like crime is changing. But, oh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me. But anyhow, it doesn't matter. Shit's tumultuous and I don't like it anymore because I'm an old man and this is no country for old men. Yeah. If it, if it ain't a mess, it'll do till the mess gets here. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. That's an interesting uh, point you raise there. If it's trying to put us in his shoes, which, man, we don't we don't spend enough time with him to really like I no, I know empathize. he I know he opened and closed with Ed Tom, and so you can argue that this is his story or he is the central focal point. We but, get a bit with his wife as well, but man, tiny bit. Man, his speeches are like to me. This movie is about Shigur. Soliloquies, well, I, I think say. it it might be a little bit like The Dark Knight and where Heath Ledger sort of hijacks the movie, right? Shigur hijacks this yeah. movie a little bit and so any scene with him in it is just feels way more significant and heavy and you kind of lose the other characters, right? Like the coin scene is... I, I could talk about that whole fucking scene for hours, I think. But one scene, one part of it that really messed with me is he almost sugar chokes on one of the nuts when yeah. the man says that he married into it. Yeah. Why does this bother him? Well, because he's, he finds it hilarious. It's, yeah. It's like, are you, are you serious? Like you, this, this is, is the what most you got? <laughs> miserable existence in the world and you fucking chose it. Like you married into this. Like, are you kidding? 
So he's just astonished. Okay. okay. Yeah. It, I, I took it as almost that was, that like was a, his spit take. I took it as an emasculating move where he's saying, you know, oh, a real man doesn't doesn't take over his wife's business or something. But no, I think it, 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 was it, just, it makes more sense if yeah. this place is a dump and why would you ever choose to come here? Like a, a, a yeah. gas station convenience store. There's on the a side giant of a grader. There's a giant machine grader, road grader in the background. Yeah, like you are the farthest away from comfort. And yet, you seem to have done this by On choice. Purpose, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The the coin scene just does everything. The mo- almost the whole movie can be encapsulated right in that, uh, or at least Sugar's character. Um. But yeah, he can smash out locks. I guess right. This guy can go through walls. He's a fucking ghost. Well, it's 1980, so I mean, the technology was not exactly. Uh, Shall we say? I know, but his his cattle prod machine allows him to just smash out any locks. door, any he, door that he, he wants. He can get in anywhere, drink anyone's milk, like literally <laughs> drink anybody's milk he wants. Yeah, he will drink your milkshake. And then Tommy Wait, Lee Jones, different movie. Yeah, that's yeah, well, they, they he, filmed he drank, that. He drank their milkshake. They filmed the milkshake movie down the road, ironically enough, and they had to stop filming one day on No Country for Old Men because in the background of one of the shots. A giant plume of black smoke started rising out of the sky, out of the, and it was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, you know, lighting shit on fire in an oil movie. Sweet, <laughs> pretty, pretty dope. That they're both just same time, just making some gold. Yeah, what was going on in the desert? Like, what kind of peyote? Hollywood was doing it right what for was going like a, at least that long. Right? Was it a nuclear? It was it an irradiated zone that? Um, I magic? think what it was was like the, the vortices and like oh, the vertexes no, and Sedona. like it, the ley lines uh, and like the uh, planets were aligned and it was just like energy uh, with uh, like wind siding. But you, like, you you actually had a question about the milk. He's he's taken a swig out of the milk. Yeah, you had, a, sits, you had a wicked theory about this. But that's what it is though. Shigur sits on the couch and he's guzzling some milk because he's intimidating. Moss he does whatever he wants. Isn't home and he's mad. But he sits and watches the TV, and there's a deliberate shot of Moss's silhouette as he stares at the TV reflection, and we get the same shot of Tommy Lee Jones sitting in the same seat, drinking the milk, to see how cold it is, how long ago uh, Sugar was there, which it it seems to be maybe missing him by minutes, right? Mm -hmm. But he says, uh, he's seen the same things I have, and it certainly made an impression on me. I think he's talking about Moss. He's definitely talking about Moss. There. And Moss must have been like they must have. I don't know. What do you think of this? He's, I think he's talking about Shigur. I don't know. Mm, maybe I, not. I no. think Moss might have been like the line immediately preceding that was talking about about Moss. Yeah. What? So why that, have they seen the same things? Were they like? See, this is a very strange scene. I think well, they, cops together. Or were they no? They in the they, army together. Or? They saw the crime scene. Yeah, so he's identifying with... Uh, it, it's to help establish that trust and, like, Ed Tom Bell, I think, feels a connection to Moss in some way. Knows that he's not responsible or actually necessarily involved in any way. He's just caught up in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, But the, the, my, my, I think my favorite part of the movie is the central piece. We're tracking the beeper to the hotel and we're pushing the case of money through the air ducts and then going around to the next room. oh man and and the beepers coming in and i just I, I admire how 
controlled the cones are here and it's never frenetic it's never like overly sort of frantic it, everything feels so carefully controlled it in the way it really match the pace of the rest of the movie like it doesn't like you said getting getting all frenetic and like um i'm thinking of uh uh ace of ace of base no not ace of base <laughs> ace oh. ventura oh my goodness ace. um ace the of- guy that did seven psychopaths oh three billboards no <laughs> in bruges you're out of your mind. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> we, did uh, not, we did not help you at all there. Yeah, really um, sorry. But the, the movie feels like the equivalent... Smoke and Aces. Smoke and Aces. Okay, that's nothing to do with... The how like, ah, that movie is just crazy frenetic like all over the place. If you jumped into some of that, it would feel like uh, very wrong. But yeah, but think about how much tension and, and suspense is being built in all of these sequences where... Moss is being hunted by Shigur and he's frantically trying to pull this case through the ducts and and it feels like the equivalent of a shotgun with a silencer on it which he blows this fucking guy's arm off with he is that, fucks is, him is this a thing Do, can you get oh. a silencer for a shotgun is that possible like a suppressor I yeah thought, I, I read that somewhere yeah. suppressor Suppressor is what it's called. It's the most badass weapon ever. I, I, it doesn't look real. Though, it's definitely. I, I don't know not, anything about guns. I'm sure. Like, it's, the only thing I know about um, like silencers in the real world is that while they do exist, they do not, in fact, silence anything. They, they muffle it slightly. But they're yeah, super like, loud, right? Yeah, guns are super super loud like i don't know if you have you guys ever been around a gun that was yeah, fired I fired a slug out of a shotgun yeah, yeah like been to a range a few times super yeah. loud you have to wear protective hearing equipment and it's still loud yeah i got a hickey on my shoulder from the gun from a shell no just from getting the kick oh nice <laughs> didn't brace slugs man yeah it wasn't <laughs> braced <laughs> i, I accidentally blew the uh the little paper thing off the sign i actually i kind of like broke I, I kind of fucked it up. You were a really good shot. On a side note, I there were five shells in the shotgun I was shooting at the range. No one told me the fifth was a slug because the first four were buckshot. <laughs> That's mean. Yeah, it was super mean and dangerous. Yeah. But anyway, that that'll hurt. break your that arm. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, boom, okay, I've got this. I know exactly what to expect. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. You blow something off the wall, though. The movie shifts once this hotel shit's done with. We shift to Dallas, I guess, and Woody Harrelson is here. Remember this is okay. Woody he's Harrelson, another scary guy. Yeah, he's my least favorite part of this movie. Why he, is he here? He only exists as an expo- expository tool. Like to, he is only there to, to give information to explain what the top brass is doing and how. Like I don't even know if he's necessary in any way because we don't really get we don't need to useful. Know, the office doesn't matter, but. Like, it has no point in this film whatsoever, uh, and all he does is just t- info dump, info dump, info, 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 dump. info dump on Josh Brolin in the in the hospital. So to clarify, then all he does is basically say, like, I'm a I'm a com- competing bad guy, and I want the money that you have. Yeah, and then and then he gets shot. Yeah, he also acknowledges that Anton Chigurh is not like a demon or a ghost and he's actually a human being with 
that exists in the he's, real world. No he's one like else, an ag- assassin. Well, no one else acknowledges. Like we need another character. No one knows who Jigur is. Well, yeah, we just... need a character to acknowledge, even say his name, even right. Like explain. Like otherwise, what is he? Is he Jason or M- Michael Myers or right. something? Right. Like even they get backstories. Yeah. Do we need that in this though? Like, what does that bring to the table other than us just knowing his name? I don't think we need any more than that, and that's all it does. But he does. Woody Harrelson does sort of strengthen the idea that he is just a death. Or, There's a business, or, or, or here. like he's a man of principles, right? And he'd kill you just for inconveniencing him, which feels I, kind of like tempting fate or something. And I think what he does is he re- reminds us that there is a sort of order, even though this can feel chaotic. Like there's a structure to this, like the business. It's it's like organized crime. Don't forget that behind things like there's money and there's bosses and like this is happening like this for a reason. Yeah, and the the head honcho talks about hiring Sugar, right? Yeah. Like there's does, does that service the theme or the story at all though? Not well, like predestinate really. predetermination versus choice. It might have been better to leave this all vague, right? To to leave yeah. the character as mysterious as you could. Yeah. I don't I, I I don't know. Argue one way or the other. I think that he's necessary. I like having him in there because it also shows like Sugar doesn't give a fuck. He just kills everybody. Well yeah, but he is human after all, right? Daft Punk. <laughs> um Well he gets shot. Everybody's afraid of him. And no, but we, I, I'm I'm surprised that the Coens spent so much time on this self surgery scene. I suppose it's to explain that he's completely self-sufficient, right? He never needs to visit a hospital. He would never need to interact with any authorities. Like, he is a ghost, essentially, right? He doesn't exist for the most part. Yeah, for the authorities, he doesn't. He would, like, he he sews up a massive shotgun wound on his leg, the size of, like, a tennis ball that is completely gushing. It's a super graphic, dope-ass surgery scene that lasts a really long time <laughs> lots of dark, dark and i feel like dark blood brolin is also getting surgery it's almost like this rocky training sequence montage happening at the same time <laughs> they both fix themselves back yeah, up. ready for the final battle which never fucking comes they tease this shigur versus moss conflict the entire film and the mexicans end up doing like, it for them do, what is the point of escalating this tension then if if not to just sort of fuck with your audience, right? It's because, like I said, just like Bell, you can't predict these things. Like, you don't see this kind of shift coming, and it's hard to adjust to crime these days. But Woody Harrelson's pretty quickly dispatched with, right? Like, he's attempting... He's so so quickly. He, he attempts to cut a deal between Moss and... Uh, Shigur is going to kill him no matter what, right? Yeah, you shouldn't have spoken to Shigur. No, but I feel like Woody Harrelson... Could, could have done anything and he would have gotten shot by Sugar, right? He, just by being there. Sugar is in, killing yeah. anyone involved involved in this entire thing, right? That's why he comes to Dallas, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And he talks to this like dude from accounting who's just there and he asks, are you going to shoot me? And then Sugar says, do you see me? Is this Avatar? <laughs> What? I see you. No, I think because this answer is the same. Are you going to shoot me? Do you see me? Yes. Boom. But again, we're not sure. We start getting ambiguous. shown. If we don't see it, then does he do it? This is in the latter half of the movie when we start cutting scenes off 
arbitrarily? Well, maybe the guy says no, because if he says no... He doesn't flip a coin. It, but if the guy says no, then he doesn't have to, and he just leaves him. Yeah, then there could be an understanding, right? Yeah. That, I, like, I can see that working totally with this character. Yeah. Like, do you, do you see me? me? He's like, no, no, no. See who? That that I, fall, said, I that, didn't see anything. That falls in line with his principles, right? Like, he he does work by a set of laws, so that... He's like, yeah. I'll take your word for it, basically. Why not? I flip coins for shit. So if you say no, then no, we have no problem. Yeah, you can kind of use the Jedi mind trick on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, maybe he's trying to be a Sith Lord. Oh, that's it. He is. Oh, shit. Is there anybody in Star Wars? This new guy with no hair? The, no this hair. This is a whole um, misdirect because Snoke is actually Anton Chigurh. Oh, okay. Shit. No, it's the guy. Anton Chigurh is. Um, what's his name in Stranger Things? Will. He's got the Will haircut. That's from, true. Except he aged backwards. Yeah, because um, it's actually. Benjamin Button. <laughs> uh, so, the, yeah, the movie takes its foot off the gas pedal with the last 30 minutes and it's rushed significantly, pissing me off. I don't think it's rushed. It is. Totally. It is. Come on, we're talking about. No, scenes I think the change in tone getting, is 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 it, thoughtful it, and it, okay. It with, is has purpose. This drastic shift in tone and editing and perspective is deliberate, but it is unmotivated. And 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 I've 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 not heard anyone explain to me other than just av- being avant garde or being unconventional or challenging the this typical. Uh, you know, styles of storytelling. I, I don't see what the point is other than just kind of just switching it up or something. No, I, what, I feel what, what is this? What is the point? Of- I'll go back to how, what I said. I think it's to to mimic the feeling of Sheriff Bell and how in his life things went one way for a long time and then they shift and change and start to go all chaotic and it's really hard and it's different and not necessarily... Um, pleasant, necessary, you know. And like, we we end with the ramblings of an old man. Yeah, like it's we start with you talking about how awesome the job is, and you don't have to carry a gun. And we see this beautiful countryside, and then all of a sudden we get into the real shit. And as soon as things like as soon as Brolin's gone, right? That's when you start to see that's that's the moment you start to feel the discomfort that Bell. Is feeling in his role as as a lawman. He's retired at this point as well. Yeah, maybe right. That's his retirement. Is but okay. Roland's death. The, my major issue with this is the off-screen protag kill. This is this is where the Coen brothers are at their most brazen and bold. Right? They they don't understand crime these for days. ninety minutes of the film. We've been following mainly Josh Brolin. We've been identifying with him. He's somewhat of an innocent dude in this situation, caught up in something horrible. His wife is completely innocent. Right? Like doesn't deserve any harm to her or her family. And then we just. Compl- nice. We just drop him out of the movie without any respect for his character or what he's been through. And we do so at the hands of the Mexican gang who's only been involved in this movie from our like our peripheral vision, right? Like they really have no bearing on the plot other than being a second gang that that our top brass guys send after the money, right? It's we we've hired two sets of people. So we 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 just never get any any characters from the Mexican gang, they're the ones who dispatch our protagonists off screen 
in what is so deliberately just a fade down, right? It, it fades down and then fades up again. And they're just hooting and hollering as they drive out of the hotel. And this is, they're, de- Coen Brothers deliberately not showing you this. And I don't know what motivates that. If you can convince me that it has some sort of artistic motivation, I'd love you to do it. And I feel like the people's love of the Coen Brothers kind of prevents, they, they just love what they do and, and give them a pass here. And I don't know if this is, so I think maybe it's like responsible storytelling. Is it like which sounds ridiculous? Do you, you remember the woman <laughs> behind the counter who also gets killed by Jagger, but we never see that murder? Like she's what we just assume when uh, I'm trying to at the trailer park. I think no, he doesn't kill her. The, the, the dude at the hotel doesn't. Isn't there a moment where he walks? Maybe when he walks, you walk by a counter. That's and the like, dude at the hotel. Yeah, and there's nobody there. The cat is drinking the spilled bowl of milk. Yeah, because you're like, oh shit. Well, that's all you need. The Coen yeah. brothers are so fucking detailed. They just spill a bowl of milk, and that's all we need. So, yeah, these there's something to do with off with the deaths of innocents are are done off screen or deaths of people that don't deserve it. Okay, um, because. Yeah, you don't want to show. You don't want to sort of disrespect them by showing their death. Well, it's not the, only the people who deserve it. We get to see what's coming to them. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the oh, it's weird because yeah. it under it, this all undermines all the tension we built up between Shigur and Moss. What was the point of that? Spending an hour with the cat and mouse game of these two characters, if they really only ever talk on the phone once. It's kind of like Fifth Element, right? Where Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman's characters never even interact in any direct way. So you can have a movie where your protagonist and antagonist never meet or interact directly. And maybe that's what they're going for. Hmm. But the shifting perspective, I think, also has something to do with it. It's who we're following at any given moment that determines what we're seeing. Yeah, I think subjectivity is one of the, possibly one of the themes of this as well, right? Um, yeah. The final scene, coin flip with his wife, you don't have to do this. Does he realize that he doesn't, or is there he, any realization of Sugar at this moment? He would, he would, to- I don't think he would even hear that question. Like, he he's representing this, like, cold... <clears throat> just practical like like we talked about he uses the same tool as we use to 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 kill our meat that we eat right like we're just cattle to him so but she says she says to him the there isn't it's just you right the coin ain't nothing or whatever like it's just you so i feel like he learns I, i don't know if she gets through to him at all i feel like he's learning something is that why he's rattled enough to like get in a car accident after i think he's off his game yeah right oh, well i was thinking about that right like he he has a very strict code and at the end maybe she convinced him to go against his code and then all of a sudden things start to fall apart because up until this point he's been following it fine and now he's he's thrown the coin in the car right, yeah the, the coin don't have no say it's just you and he goes oh shit maybe i am Maybe I'm not death. Maybe I maybe I have a choice as well. 
Well, and I feel and everyone has choice. I feel on another uh, gear here. If he is supposed to represent the Reaper or Death, then the final car accident very clearly shows that that's not the case because he's not, he's not immune to all of this. Yeah. Um, but he still slips away, right? He's still yeah. this slippery character. He bribes the kids. Caleb Landry Jones, like eight years old. Uh, and he, yeah, he still slips away into just, you know, dissolving into nothing. In no one, some rural suburban neighborhood. Yeah. And then we close with Ed Tom Bell talking about his father on a horse. Walking forward with some fire and a horn. So he's holding a spot for him in heaven, I guess. In the dark, well, I think it's the cold yeah, darkness. something something Maybe about hell. the fire. <laughs> There's a mount. Right? He has a dream about his father on a horse yeah. on a mountain pass, and his father goes on ahead and makes a fire for him, uh, so that he's has something ready. Well, yeah, when he gets somewhere. Maybe when he realizes there's no country for old men, he gets to sit by the fire with his father. There's no music in this movie. You know that. It's pretty... Uh, None. Pretty tense. Other than that, the very end, I think, the credits start rolling and some song comes up. But that's noticeable. when The credits have rolled for like a few seconds and when you hear music, you're like, yeah. oh. What? Wait a minute. They didn't bother with anything. There was no music. Yeah. Um, what are we giving this movie out of 10, guys? What happens with... Mike, I'm interested in what you give this because I really need to know where... I- so even, I can go up or down here. Even though you guys are talking about this shift in in like pacing affecting you, I think it it adds to the movie. I it helps me identify more with Sheriff Bell. So I'm going to give this movie a ten Coen Brothers out of ten. Whoa, ten Coen Brothers out of ten. So that's a ten out of ten. Yeah, it's actually twenty out of ten because oh, oh, no, I'm just that. Uh, that's overkill. It's ten. Wow, that's a big one, folks. Yeah, Academy you know, award worthy. Not happened very many times on this podcast. The shift in tone and the deflation at the end, like, really got to me the second time. The first yeah. time around, I was in, just enraptured by this whole thing, but that lack of tension, and I know, I know it's intentional. I'm just not sure. I appreciate it as much as I would like. Um, so it's still a fantastic film. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. <sighs> okay, so am I. 8.5 seems pretty bruising, right? It's like spitting in the comb. It kind of is. This thing is a legit masterpiece. And I feel like maybe I just didn't get it. <laughs> well, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can you can totally understand why they did something and still disagree with it. That's there's yeah. nothing yeah. wrong with that. I, I I respect everything that this movie does, and maybe one day I'll I'll finally come around and appreciate it because I know people do. I know people love everything about this from beginning to end. I just I can't I, think of anything like it. There isn't right. There isn't. But to say it's flawless is incorrect. Right. I don't know. Not according to Red. I like it. Thank you for listening. That is our review of No Country for Old Men. If you see the movie, which I'm sure you have, because if not, you should. Ten years old at this point. Happy birthday! Uh, yeah, email us verticalviewing at gmail dot com. Let us know what you think. Uh, go to our website. It is verticalviewing dot com. Leave us a message. All of our webs. Uh, all of our webs. Siri, we don't have a web series yet because no one will watch it. This was this is kind of like a web series. No one watches web series. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> next week on the show, What's are that? we reviewing Love Actually? Is that are actually we reviewing happening? Love Actually? That might be happening. I don't know if you're even going to be here. My 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 you might not be here. units might not be here. Are visiting? There's some family business we happening. We will figure out birthdays. the show, ladies and gentlemen. Love Actually might be coming at you. It's Christmas time. We want to do a chick flick. It's been seems appropriate. It's yeah. a Christmas movie. Yeah, uh, why not? Um, where can we find new. you on the internet? I want to do it. Where do I go? Uh, if you wanted to find me, you'd go to Twitter. Oh, cool. And cool. I'd be at Jared underscore cool. Sergeant. You'd find some like educational stuff there. I don't know. All right. All right. I'm at Michael R. Lind on Twitter. From time to time, something goes up. You know, you never know. That's mm. that's the pleasure of following me. Yeah. When is... I post something, you'll be like, shit. You can actually put like uh, pools, like office bet pools on it, like just to see. If he's you know going to post or not. Do that, yeah. Yeah, figure it out. He's like one of those really, really awesome YouTube channels that posts like three videos a year, but each one gets like, yeah. seven million views. I'm, like Vsauce, you know. He's basically Psy. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm basically a Christmas advent calendar with like one window that you open up. I am Scott Wilson, BC, with two L's. Uh, the show is at Vertical Viewing. Go to iTunes, leave us a five star review. Go to Google Play, tune in radio, fuck Stitcher, bunch of crooks. Sketchy. Yeah. Go to patreon.com slash vertical viewing. Become a subscriber. A patron. It's a patron. Yeah, and you can uh, throw one, two, or three dollars a month at us. That'll allow you to make suggestions, just like the Big Lebowski, just like Ooh. Under the Skin, which is probably a ten, right? That's a real doozy. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, way better than no. I don't. We're not gonna get into shit. Open a can of worms. <laughs> Open a can of worms. There's also like a a uh, commentary on there. So if you want to see if you like what we're oh, into. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Listen to the uh, knowing, knowing commentary. Yes. matches up with the Netflix. That's totally free of charge for everybody. I'm sure there'll be some more Alex Proyas gems. We, we want to do another one. Yeah, we have a theory. Um, that's it. Is there any final thoughts from you guys? I do have a final thought. In this film, there's only one person to escape Anton Jagger's wrath. And that's the crow, and he escapes because he takes off vertically. He comes back to the crow. So, ladies and gentlemen, be like the crow and keep it vertical. <laughs>